<laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the Audi Podcast Network. Joining me this evening, I've got Jafo, I've got Ed and I've got Stu. Stu, as the man in the New York Jets jersey, how's it going? Well, if we, I've got Muse ready just in case I have to celebrate, but let's just say the, the likelihood of that happening is the likelihood of Gary O'Neill being in at Christmas, so. Hello. Well, that's how I guess that's how we'll start, and that's how we'll. Um, we are going to be talking about obviously the Luton game, all the controversy within it, all the I could say poorness within it as well, because it wasn't exactly a great game. Let's be honest. We're also going to talk a bit about Gary O'Neill as well and his tenure ship so far. I mean, usually, guys, um, I'd say for those who have listened for a while, um, big shout out to everyone who's listening live, of course, on YouTube. And don't forget to hit the like and subscribe buttons. We do start off with the team lineup, but I'd, I'd be curious about when this last was. But we had an unchanged lineup for the first time, it feels like in forever. And I guess, Jafo, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's probably, it's probably a good thing to say that. Um... O'Neill is kind of getting a feel for where his best side is now. Um, and he's kind of understanding, okay, who's who's the best for his system that he wants to set up um, and where the evolution of where he wants his football to go is. Um, when you look at it and you look at the bench, it's nice to see that the players there who could come in and make a difference, but quite a few of them there are people who we're wanting to develop. So yeah, Tommy Doyle's coming in, he's, he's, he's not been around the side much. He's going to be, he's young, he can develop Traore. Uh, Hugo Bueno is kind of like 50-50 with Ike Nuri. And the rest of them, you know, they're players who have got to force their way into the squad. So it, it, it's a good problem for him to have that, that he's got players who are not playing. But the fact that he's now finding this evolution step and how he wants to do it is, is a positive. Yeah, I think I agree. And like, hopefully, you know, I think... It feels like the honeymoon period's a bit over for Gary O'Neill now, and he's really kind of got to make his mark, um, which didn't really happen if we're going to be honest yesterday. But I think the fact that he seems to have found this lineup, albeit now that it's going to be disrupted for the next three games, hopefully stands us in good stead. Um, as I say, before we go on to the game itself, um, I'm curious to kind of get your guys' thoughts on this. Um, is that there's obviously a lot of talk about Luton's ground and it being, I guess, lower level, for want of a better term, um, to, to put it nicely, I guess. You know, the fact that it is almost that, almost incredibly traditional, it's in the middle of like a load of terrace houses. Now, for you guys, what kind of stadium do you prefer going to? And, you know, we're all friends here. You know, it, if you say you like going to a new one, um, no judgment, or if you like going to like the traditional one, because I know people who, for example, 
hate going to Goodison Park. It's like a, a, a stadium that's, you know, rich in tradition. It's, like, it's crap. It's a crap ground. It needs to get knocked down. They need to put a new one in there. You can't see half the time, etc., etc. So uh, I'll start with Stu because I know how much of a way there you are. Between the two, um, I guess, ends of the spectrum, which which ground sort of ground for going to? I'm a few ones left that I've never been to anymore, um, and I've been to Luton three. I think that was the fourth time. Um, it doesn't get any better. But I, it's it's hard to answer because you, you think of somewhere like the Emirates, but the Emirates for away fans is terrible because the the rake of the lower tier is so shallow that you can't if you're stuck behind behind someone like six foot or above and you like dance size, you got no chance. It's not you know, considering that's not, what twenty years old at best. It's it's not great. So they've all got their kind of. The little quirks and um, things about them. You don't really want to go to Newcastle because you're high up in the in the in the clouds anyway. But again, do you want to go to Luton and have five poles in the way, which we did yesterday, and that was sitting right behind the goal, standing in a square area about. For personally, I'd go to places like yesterday. Um, Lessons, Southampton, the same Derby and Middlesbrough look the same. Um, but yeah, for me, for me, it's quirky ones rather than not so much modern versus old, just quirky rather than boring. Ed, how about you? Are you sort of sit on on this? I think I just want a good view, especially from a, <laughs> from a away day point of view. I think that's all I really care about because the only ground I love going to is the Molyneux. The rest of them, as long as I've got a good view of my team, genuinely don't care. I think I think that's probably where I stand with it. I've been to, I've been to Goodison, and you sit on the wooden benches with the numbers painted on with white um, emulsion, and uh, yeah, it's 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 not a fun experience, but it does have the, you have the you know the the hipster feel of going to an old fashioned ground, and that is good in a way. Um, I've been to some identikit grounds. I've been to Swansea's ground when it first opened, and you kind of did feel like you're in a new ground. But again, it, it looked like all the other grounds. So I think I sit in the middle. I think all I care about is a good view. I think I can take or leave anything else because I'm not there for the facilities. As long as it's got a working toilet and a good view, I'm happy. Well, well, on the toilet situation yesterday, the um, the main one that that's been there for a hundred years, there was room for three. Average size blokes at the trough, two cubicles, no light bulb. Then <laughs> um, that was in the old one. In the new one, in that there was a little bar area which I'd never ever seen before. Which I don't know if it's been knocked through or they've just gave us access now because it's a Premier League directive or whatever. Um, but that neither of the the blokes or the women's they had to have their door open because you couldn't see into it because it was basically in a, like Al Qaeda cave. Um, no lights, so there were people using their using their phones to piss with. It was ridiculous. So there was there were toilets there, but you just couldn't see them. I feel like there's a metaphor in there somewhere, but uh, we'll we'll move on. <laughs> okay, let, let let's talk about the game because I've pushed it back as far as I humanly want to. That first twenty minutes was 
one of the worst 20 minutes I've seen so far of Wolves this season and appreciate that there's a decent amount of selection there, but it, we just didn't turn up, did we, Jeffo? Uh It's it's just the way that it's just, they seem to be setting up. I, I think there's, there must be some kind of chamomile tea or some kind of like you know, nice whale sounds in the dressing room before they go out because they cut the amount of times they've come out flat this season is um, is disappointing. Really, it's uh, the just wolves and 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 the whole feeling around the club at the moment. It's just it's painful, and I think everyone's just getting a little bit numb to it. And it's and uh, you know, saying that for a lot of last season, for the starts have, have just been so frustrating, um, and the way we've started halves. Normally been second half in some of the recent seasons, but it's the way we've gone into games and we've found ourselves chasing our tail all the time that we haven't got this sort of get up and go energy that's needed in the Premier League. It's just not been seen for the, you know, since we were in Europe, really. Yeah, it's it's just bizarre. I found, I found like how we just didn't kind of match any level of their intensity and like. Don't get me wrong, Luton are going to struggle this season. Um, you know, they're definitely going to finish in probably like the bottom five places, and that's me being, you know, very diplomatic, to be honest. Um, and, and they're going to rely on home form and try to get in, into a team like Wilson. I don't know, like, I sort of felt, Ed, that after Liverpool, where we started so well, that was like the blueprint for us in terms of how, how we should start the games. Too much to ask, is it? No, energy and effort is not too much to ask, I don't think. And what are Luton going to have other than that, in all fairness to them? And that's not very much, is it? They are going to have to try. They are going to have to run a lot. And they are going to have to get in amongst it. And we weren't up for that fight in the in the first 20 minutes or so. And that has to be... Some of that has to be on the manager. Some of that has to be on the players. Um, the way we were set up seemed very narrow. And I just think it was just the effort thing, wasn't it? It was just pure effort and we didn't show any. We didn't show any effort yesterday, especially in that opening first 20 minutes. And we can't be outfought by these teams that are going to be in and amongst this relegation fight that we're going to be in this year. And I think, yeah, I don't think it's too much to ask to just to try. And it didn't look like we were trying. That's what it felt yeah. like to me from what I've seen. Yeah, it just it's like it didn't kind of match up at all. I mean, like you look at Gary O'Neill's post-match stuff afterwards, and it was like extremely disappointed the first 25 minutes. We knew it was going to be a test mentally. Going man for man, we lost every duel. Um, um we went in, our forward players bounced off them, nothing was sticking. Uh, where it dropped into the midfield, they were faster than us. Um and He's right, and I think something that sort of stuck to me, sort of after you know watching it, and you know you, you could see it, just we were we were second best. And like you look at like our average player positioning, and like the, the second, uh, you know, the, the red card didn't help matters, but it just seemed way too like congested. We just didn't seem to have any sort of fit and flow. It always reminded me, in a weird way, of how we were against Crystal Palace, where just. We just didn't have any balance, and you know you're right. We just didn't. We it's like we weren't lined up tactically right, nor did we have the right mentality. And frankly, I think if we were against a half decent team, we'd have got spanked. 
and it wasn't even a. It, I mean, I said in the preview show in in the comments that we'd lose one nil because I had absolutely no faith whatsoever about this team. But, but there was that thing earlier in the season, was there a few weeks ago, where um, someone put their video of the um, how that the players strolled out of the tunnel at halftime, like they couldn't be asked. Mm. That's how they did it again. To, but to start the game, the body language was atrocious. And it's not like I'll be like pseudo-scientific and whatever. Or, and I'm an expert in these things. You can see when people can be asked or not. And they did not want to know. From, from kickoff, they didn't want to know at all. And he can say all he wants, but Pricey put that thing in the group at halftime. At halftime against Luton Town, Luton Town, we had no shots on target. No shots at all. <laughs> and for 35 of them minutes, we had all, all the players on the pitch. It's not, There's no excuse for that. It's, I know people are, want me to go on a rant again. It's just pathetic. <laughs> there's no He can say whatever he wants. I haven't seen a single press conference of his. I haven't listened to him for three weeks now because the guy's a joke. The players were not up for that game from the very start. And it showed. And you look at, I don't know, you mentioned that Liverpool there, and you look at the two diff, the two teams who we've played well against, Man United and Liverpool. And then you got Everton, we were lucky. <laughs> we got a smashing grab at the end. Palace, deservedly lost in the end. Luton, we probably should have lost on the balance of play in that first 20, 25 minutes. And you can guarantee that they'll play well in the first half against Man City or until Man City inevitably score. It's shop window FC. There's nothing to do with Kerry O'Neill. We were battered by Luton Town and deservedly so, even before we had a player sent off. Yeah. I mean, the, the irony of the, the whole sort of sending off was that kind of put, turned the game on its head, but did somehow work out well for Wolves. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd say like, you know, we were a couple of minutes preceding that, they had a couple of sort of tactical tweaks that helped. But it was bizarre how Wolves did sort of pull their fingers out when they realised they actually had a job to do. Um, once they had ten men, um, let, let's talk about it because I, I still haven't quite made up my mind on this, um, which isn't exactly great when you're supposed to be giving a reaction <laughs> um, to, to incidents. I appreciate, um, and it's not even been helped. But I did a uh, Twitter poll on our Fancast Twitter account at Wolves Fancast, guys. Uh, hint, hint. Um, it, uh, you know, I did this sort of this morning sort of thing you know we, we've all kind of had a bit of time to rest watch matches for day you know um did he deserve a red card and all right it's a slightly biased poll but 35 yes it's a red 65 no it's only a yellow um i'm trying to work out uh, jaffo I, I guess uh, I, I always like doing initial reaction you're I guess your, your delayed reaction, what's your reaction now? So, has it sort of changed at all? Do you think? What are you sort of thinking? I, I'm still on the same fence I was yesterday. I still think it's a red card. Problem is, you, you give the referee a chance to, to make a decision, like he's done there by by do, having that instance where he's, he's moved his leg towards the player after a lockup and he's reacted. The referee can say, okay, you've done something to cause. A collision there you've caught you you know you've acted in a dangerous way 
he, now he's going to give it the way that referees have acted, not just even in the in VAR times, but like previously as well. That, um, you know, you give them a chance to make a decision, they will, and invariably against teams like us who are fighting. And when you're in a position where you're trying to fight to stay in the Premier League, every little decision like this becomes a microcosm of the whole season. And and that's the problem is is that we will then focus on these decisions when we get to May, and if if you know something's happened where we've got to the position where we got relegated, we'll go back to these games. We'll go, oh, he, he fucked up there, he fucked up there, he fucked up there. Where where in, invariably, Bellegarde fucked up because he gave the decision to the referee. He allowed him to say, okay, I can give you the red card. It doesn't matter um, whether it was or not. You give a referee a chance to give that, he's going to give it 99 times out of 100. He just is. Yeah, completely agree. And not many people saw it in real time because obviously the, the, yeah. the ball had gone. It's a kick. Um, he shouldn't yeah. be doing it. But Beckham got sent off in 1998 for this kind of stupidity. <laughs> We're in 2023. You, you still can't do this. And yeah, I get that Tom Lockyer is he's played. They've played the um, kind of Wimbledon-esque tactics that they were employing throughout the whole game, which is fine. You do what you do, um, but don't get drawn into it. And he should, if he wasn't told that this is what was going to be going on, then again, that's another strike on them. Regardless, it was a stupid thing to do. Yeah, like Jeff says, you don't give the ref the opportunity to say. And yet, it's a tangle. You and wait. He was, he was, he was impeded, but you don't do what it's just, it was just brain dead stupidity. It's a blatant. If it was, against, I know people sell a card because obviously they're biased, but if it was against us, you'd want him sent off, wouldn't you? So there's your answer. Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree. And I think my kind of sort of take on it very similar to yourselves. Like he's in a late, like, yeah. Look, look, yes, like it is trying to impede him. Of course, he's doing the kind of whole, oh, I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong whilst doing anything wrong. But by doing that, he's kind of taking himself out of the game as much as Bellegarde. Do you know what I mean? Like, he didn't. Mm. <sighs> I'm trying to think what I've said. Like, you know, we'd progressed the ball forward and they were without their, what, their centre half, their captain. Like, it's, it's not like it's, you know, doing them any harm. And it almost, you know, what it reminded me of. Like, I know you're sort of thinking, um, Beckham. It, it reminded me more of um, Lon James in the World Cup for women's. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, you know, slightly Bellegarde. I, I, and like, I've seen the comments. Mm. I know we've had a couple on YouTube. It's very much, oh, he was trying to push himself away. Like, you know, he's trying to like get himself away. No, he he is trying subtly trying to push himself away by sticking his studs into a. An opponent's midriff, like let's not beat around the bush, and it's silly and it's frustrating. And you know, Bellegarde just wants to get on with the game, whereas you know, Lockley doesn't. They say it's only himself he's kind of got to blame in a way, and it's really frustrating because he's been such a bright spark from what we've seen so far and it's really kind of just going to hold him back i mean we lose him for three games now i mean 
again, I'll, I'll go to Stu on this one because I can never remember the League Cup games count yeah. the ban as well. So yeah, we're losing for two. We're losing for two league games, which yeah. is really unfortunate in my opinion. Um, Ed, how about you? I know you sort of, sort of said you know it, it's still a kick, isn't it? You know how much sympathy do you have with um, with our man? Oh, not not much really, to be honest. I think it's a um, it's it's a daft situation. None of that situation needs to happen, does it? Mm. None of it. I don't think any of it needs to happen. I don't think, like you know, the, the blue. Player, like he doesn't need to lock him up. He doesn't need to put him in a Bret Hart figure of four. But then doesn't then need to kick out. He could just raise the you know the issue to a ref or a linesman. He can just say this is happening. He doesn't need to do any of it. None of that needed to happen. It just seems so so daft. It just seems so so daft that he put himself in that situation and then reacted in the way he did. And he's like I said last week on the pod, he's not a kid either. That's the difference as well. He's a well-rounded central midfielder from a relatively aggressive league. That won't be the first time he'd have been in an altercation like that. He doesn't need to react like that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think a, a savvier player, and there might have been experience or however you want to call it, you know, games, game mentality, I don't know how, how you kind of want to sort of describe it. Like he's in a situation where I say if they're both tangled up, get the other bloke sent off. Because the chances are whoever kind of moves first is gonna step on the other person. And uh, it, it, I think it's just frustrating, I think. And I know I, I was interested the fact that you know so many people um I say on our Twitter poll and you know from the comments I've seen of Amy sort of said no, it, it should be just a yellow and I, I uh, I want to believe, I want to, um, but personally, I doubt. I think it's a straight red. Unfortunately, um, you know, as a, a Wolf Aid eighty nine said, it was a red. Unfortunately, uh, but the lad was holding his legs. Dark arts from Luton lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was frustrating. And what Wolves did, sort of, I say. Battened down the hatches, they made subs at half time, um, which you know looked looked on paper really frustrating because it was just like, okay, well, we're sticking, you know, more defenders on sort of thing. But it seemed to it seemed to stem the tide. Um, if nothing else, for what was quite literally one of my favorite moments of the season so far. Um, because we've talked a lot about Pedro Neto. Uh, we've also talked a lot about how we much prefer him on the left wing. And he did do well when he played on the left yesterday. Um, but his goal yesterday was a real unbacked motherfuckers, wasn't it? Yeah. It was very similar to the one at Southampton from a similar kind of position as well. Um, but whereas that, that one, he didn't blast into the top of the net like he did yesterday. Um yeah, he'd been completely starved of any kind of service, any kind of any room, really. Um, and he was the only one really doing anything at all. When Cunha was completely anonymous for the entire game, um, but you could see in his, his reaction and the frustration just just on his face. Um, I don't know if they uh, that kind of copping of the ears thing was to their fans or us. Um, going a bit of both, I think. 
so the, so the stick that he's got on some some people and me, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it was it was literally the only bright spark of the entire day. Um, and obviously, we'll get onto that later. But he was it was it took a moment of magic to break down Luton Town. Yeah, and I think that's it. And uh, for those watching on YouTube, while yeah. Stu was uh, giving his thoughts on it, you will have seen a video from um, WWFC Scott, who has a YouTube channel. He's also on Twitter as well. Um, do make sure you give him a follow as well and shout out for um, allowing us to use your video as well. I mean, back, back to the goal. I mean, Jafo, I genuinely can't remember the last time I saw him be so jet healed again. Appreciate it. Can we all just take a moment? Actually, like, so, sorry, so before I let you go on, it's all right. Um, it was quite nice to see him do it to Lockyer, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in that moment, Lockyer, okay. Thank you. As you got said earlier, the dark arts, dark arts only brings you bad karma. So, Lockyer, you can go fuck yourself for that one, honestly. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's fantastic to see Neto back and and. We've said all all of this season, to be honest, that he's starting to look more like himself. Um, and we're talking about uh, an injury that he had, where he he basically broke his kneecap. That's a horrendous injury for anyone, let alone a, a professional athlete, to go through. You know, it, it's to take it, a player who's who's, as you say, a speedster. He's, he's someone who's so quick with the ball. And he's now got to go into every game and have that sort of thing in the back of his head. Oh, what if I do it again? What? Because it was so innocuous when it happened. It was a it was a bad challenge, but he, 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 the way it ended up was was not how we'd expect. Mm. So to see him now playing himself, and and the thing is with Pedro Neto, he's someone who just exudes this sort of natural confidence and like energy, and he's so infectious to see him around, and he's always someone who's smiling it when he's playing football and smiling when he's around the uh, training ground, that you want players like this to be happy and in these impressive and happy moments and, and doing things that can put a smile not only on his face, but on everyone else's. Because in, you know, and, and I, I'm going to be corny now, actually, because I don't normally do corny too much. But, you know, the out of darkness cometh light. That comes down to players like this and the players who mm. do special things and, and have special moments they are our light in, in darkness that we're going through at the moment. So hopefully he can, t- can continue this sort of vein of form that's starting to come in out now and that he can start showing things that are special and, and what shows why he's been linked to clubs like Arsenal in the past and, and why, you know, he was able to score the fantastic goals like he did against Chelsea pre-injury where, he, you know, he broke in the last couple of minutes and smashed it into the bottom corner. Players, you know, Bring this Pedro Neto back. I want to see him again because he is a beautiful man who brings joy to my heart. <laughs> I feel like whatever save is not do that. Just this is it. <laughs> Go on, Ed. Very talismanic, isn't he? I think I think that's what we're going for. I think that he seems to be a player that wants to be that player as well. He wants to be the man. And I think he's maybe realised that we've lost some players over the summer um, and over the last sort of 18 months or so. And maybe he does need to step up and it looks like he really wants to. I mean, he's creating more goal scoring opportunities than nearly everyone else in the league. Um, yesterday, he puts the burners on and gets past, um, you know, the the guy that tried to, um, well, that did 
effectively get one of his teammates sent off and he smashes it in the net and he loves celebrating it what it, he's trying i think he's trying to propel himself to be that talisman to be that light in the darkness that jeff o's talking about that i think we really need at this point because if we don't have him doing that we, we could still be playing now and probably not score one thousand percent putting himself forward for interviews as well like he was on match today last night takes a lot especially with it some of the characters that are in the team as well and i know that can I think we might have lost you there. Let's have we made a salient point, but he is right. And I think, um, as, as you were saying, Ed, like we've had a comment on Facebook, um, from Dean Westwood, um, saying uh, Neto showed actual passion for me yesterday, and if that means a lot for fans, doesn't it? And you're right, it, it almost feels like he stepped up to take that responsibility. And I know people say, you know, when you look at the people who were. Uh, you know, we've lost him the summer. They might not necessarily contribute goals, particularly like last season, like him and Ez Traore. But he seems to have, like, taken some of that burden for himself um, in, t- in terms of that. I think that's, like, really what, what we need because otherwise, you say, where, where the goal's coming from. Uh, and it's good. It, it, it's still a big question mark over his team, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there's there's a there's a level of passion to his play that isn't forced. I think he means it, doesn't he? I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. I think Jafo's spot on the fact that 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 celebration, that goal was a player maybe also realizing he's coming back to his best. He's coming he's can trust his body a bit more, maybe. I think there was there was something special in that goal and I hope it's something that he can kick on with. Yeah. I must say, um I, I, one thing I do love about Pedro Neto is his unbridled joy and frankly unprepared celebrations a lot of the time um i am thinking that and like it's the goal he scored against liverpool that never was where he just like just does anything and everything it's about six celebrations in one because he's just loving the moment and and i've got um, a full-on appreciation for that um as i say a couple of fun comments we've had on youtube regarding uh this what I thought were interesting was uh regular contributor still with the Neto's goal uh, looked like vintage Gareth Bale, um, which I, I, I agree with. Um and also Sean Crow, regular contributor as well. Um I woke my sleeping newborn when he scored that goal a lot. Um being fair, pal. It's uh look crying only lasts for a finite amount of time if you've woken the baby. Goal stay forever, <laughs> which is a uh, which is which is great parenting advice. Um, anyway, so we're down to ten men. We've got our goal. We've shored up at the back because we were wobbly throughout. And I think before we talk about penalty, I want to talk about Craig Dawson because he is supposed to be our you know our rock, as it were. And I don't know. I don't want to be that guy. But it doesn't feel like he has hit the standards he um, this season as he hit last season, and I'm trying to wonder if this is a cause for concern or not, or really just highlights why we brought in Santi Bueno to kind of step up into his shoes at some point this season. I mean, that's that's why I put it in the in the group chat as soon as I could because we'd start having to go. So um, 
But one who called uh, balls that some messed up yesterday. Um, and they go at each other. And he's holding <laughs> his hands up and rightly so. And just them two either. Shaky, he looks... For someone who's with his experience, he looks completely shorn of confidence, which is weird. When he, he hasn't really done... Considering what we did last season here, when he was a bedrock of everything and check kind of the lowering of the uh, of the window last January, he was the one who had more of a as well as the man. Now he looks like the in the entire. He, he's shaking, making him look bad. And I thought Kilman did well yesterday. You look at it and you think, well, how have you gone from being up here to now? one of the poorest players on the team. And it could just be an age thing, you just don't know. But something's happened with him. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a reason that um, West Ham was so, e- you know, easily allowing allowing him to go for such a small figure to, um, you know, a, a rival in the league, a club that are very close around them. And I feel like last season, he made such a big impact because he was so different to what we had at the time. And, and Nathan Collins... He's only a young guy, you know, he's, he's not doing particularly great now. And, and I know he made a mistake yesterday as well. But having somebody come in who's experienced, who's played a lot of Premier League football, he was this little bit of different ingredient. But the thing is now, teams watch you and scout you that much that they will have honed in on every little last fault that, that he's got, that now this season they can prepare for that. And they'll have these dossiers and they'll go, Okay, we're going to top, target him now on this point, and that's how they, they they'll just do it because Dawson is he's only got a finite amount of games left in his career now. He's he's getting to that age. He's probably got one one season this season, maybe next at this at Premier League level, and then he's going to have to start dropping down the leagues or playing ten games a season. That Santi Bueno, hopefully. Is going to be the guy who can come in and make a difference because we need that ingredient X again, and that is that's something a little bit different to what where Dawson came in and, and offered a, uh, a calmer, older head, which shored up the defence. But now we need something that's going to be a little bit more chaotic, and I think that's what Bueno could bring and something who could help us press on teams. Because I, th- I think we mentioned it earlier when we talked about the Liverpool game and us starting quite well, is because Liverpool are a counter-attacking team. They're going to allow you to step onto them. So we need somebody who can progress with the ball. And Dawson and Kilman just ain't that really. Um, Kilman and more so he can, but Dawson just ain't that. Hmm. It'll, be, it'll be really interesting to see if um, Santi gets a run out against Ips, which won't uh, add. Yeah, I'm hoping he does. I think it'd be a good introduction to British football and English football for him. Um, he will also get some of the the more delights of you know longer balls and things to see how he deals with that as well. But I just think I'll be that guy, Rich. I think Dawson's out of form and he, he looks cack this season. That's the word I'm going to use. He doesn't look good at all for me. He's he's slow on he's slow on the turn. He's Samedo's bailing him out, but people don't want to talk about Samedo doing anything useful. Um, and <laughs> I, I I think last year in the Lapategi we played. Um, a lower block, he was there to head it, to kick it, to get rid. And whether it was Lopetegui's plan in the summer that changed when we had Gary O'Neill or if it's just Gary O'Neill at all, 
there's now an expectation for him to have the ball a bit more, um, to progress the ball a bit more. And he just, he isn't that kind of player. I mean, he was at one point, if you remember, uh, one of the um, cupboards at, uh, at West Brom, wasn't he, when they had four um, centre-backs. Mm-hmm. He couldn't play with the ball at that point when, was it Pepe Mel that came in and was awful for him? It was all <laughs> We all had a great joke about that and they had four centre-backs and none of them could play football. He couldn't play football then when he was younger and fitter and um, and he can't play football now. He he is, I think, a break glass in case of emergency centre-back and we, we don't need a centre-back like that because he makes Kilman look worse. And we Kilman's the captain. Kilman has to play right now. He's a left-sided centre-back. There aren't many of them around. We need someone to make him look better. Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with Dawson because I know I know it's been a, a decent amount of stick towards Kilman, his leadership abilities, his lack of vocalness or aggression, I, I guess, um, or you know, leadership in general, wherever you want to look at it. But yeah, Dawson seems to like. I know. I think this probably says more about Kilman. He seems to need someone next to him to play well for him to play really well. I thought Dil- Kilman did well yesterday, you know, in fact, he mopped up after uh, Dawson at least once yesterday. Um, but yeah, I-, I feel like that's going to be like, this is going to be like one of those threads that we're going to want to follow in the next couple of weeks to still see how it um, fans out. But we're doing well. And then the game turned on its head yet again um, with a bit of a de- Baitable penalty, and I don't have a Twitter poll on this one. Um, but uh, again, I guess it goes back to your initial reaction, your reaction now. Now we've all had a thorough, in depth look at the bylaws of the game, uh, work out which ones were retracted back in 2021, um, I believe, and which ones have been falsely shared. I mean. Uh, Jafo, uh, where, where where's your head at with it? Um, or is it a heart versus head situation? I guess I think I think it's probably a heart versus head. It's, it's so difficult nowadays. You know, we, we we live in a world of ever changing referees' rules and convoluted strings and attachments to 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 by rules and understanding of of, of it's got to touch this person's hand and. From following this motion moment, you know, he'd have to steer his tee clockwise and then it will be a penalty. It's it's so confusing. If he hits his hand straight from, you know, from the motion where it's hit his foot, how can it be a penalty? You cannot control. I, I, I have the same thing today. I watched the Tottenham game and, and Arsenal got that penalty and he's... You, you, the ball's been hit at like 80 mile an hour and he's half a metre away. How can anyone have the mental capacity to make a decision to bring the hand into a position to block a ball in less than half a second? You don't even... If you look at the highway code that, and how that addresses braking distances and, and mental... You don't even talk about that in, in quickness, that sort of speed. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. These referees live on fucking cloud cuckoo land. They had engineers helping them in the first season of VAR, and the engineers got that fucking pissed off. I can say that with authority because I spoke to some of them. They got pissed off that they quit. 
because they couldn't <laughs> working with people like not Howard Webb at the time because he wasn't there, but people like Mike Dean who would not fucking listen because they think that they understand how fucking science works, but they're fucking stupid. They have not a clue. They don't. They've never played football at any level, and they don't actually understand how science works because they're fucking stupid. I'm, I'm sorry to rant like that, but it, it's fucking annoying. I'm just gonna just go to put you in spotlight mode for it. To be honest, um, <laughs> I appreciate that, <laughs> Stu. I know your intent's a bit dodgy, uh, a bit like the penalty decision. Ao, um, again. I know you're a stickler for rules, um, but again, raise your head out with it. I mean, at the time, I thought, well, fair enough. <laughs> you can't. And that, that is the point that accidental handball is still an offence. <laughs> it's it just it, it doesn't matter how how sensible it is to say it's not. It is. Um, but if your arms <laughs> above your head outstretched, which again is a when you kind of challenging like that that's what your body does so there's strike one there it's a natural position for your body to be at two it's it took what 0.2 seconds i think they measured it on match of the day to hit from the, from the time it left his boot to hitting his shin and then his hand so there's strike two and three but that weird little bylaw that it doesn't matter because it unless it's a blocking motion and then it hits your hand that that that, that I said, remember, I said at the time afterwards, I thought something weird is about this because it's not as straightforward as it seems. And I said that to a few people on the couch on the way back and then oh, 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 the usual thing is sticking up for referees. But this is why you sit on holiday and spend six hours reading books because unless, unless you do. <laughs> but why this is the point. Why should you have to do this to understand what's going on? Yes, I did, Mike. There is photos on Twitter if you go and find it. I'm um, reading it. The FA, the FA handbook and handbook, um, handbook. Student yeah. goes to North Yorkshire uh, every year to, <laughs> to read Whitby, it. right? It's Whitby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, he go, he goes, he goes Dracula experience. <laughs> then, <laughs> then he might go to a really nice fish and chip shop. Otherwise, it's straight onto a pier. Um, sits between the whale bones, and he just takes it all in studies but at the same time saying all that it might be factually correct by some kind of bent interpretation of the rule that's some subsection that was redacted but to the normal person who pays 30 quid to go there millions around the world and <laughs> millions and millions of pounds that rely that rest on these things not with the bay with be get that right different place um but yeah, it's it's stupid, isn't it? It's it's just absolutely it's not, ridiculous. It's so part it's not worth a handle. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lexi, not Lexuses. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's not why the handball rule was brought in, was it? It, no. it you know, it was it it I, I mean I don't want to match Jafo's rank because I don't think I can do it as well, but it is it's not a penalty. It's never, and I would genuinely, pretty much, almost as outraged if we'd have got a penalty from it because it's not why you, what you want to see from a game of football. And when I think Jeff, I brought it up the, the Arsenal game earlier. I was going up the wall at the TV, not that anyone cared. That if they didn't give that, 
then that makes the decision yesterday even worse because realistically, that's probably more of a handball. And that wasn't a handball today either. It, Joao Gomez cannot do anything about that ball hitting his hand. He's not deliberately done it. He's not done anything to... I don't know how it's a penalty. I genuinely don't know how it's a penalty. And it's not why... It's not why handball, the handball was brought in. And it, it doesn't fundamentally um, doesn't fundamentally go to the laws of the game why that rule was brought in. That rule was brought in to stop people basically cheating and gaining an advantage by using their hand um, to change the direction of a ball or to stop the ball or to gain some advantage of it. He doesn't gain anything from that ball hitting his hand. And he's nothing, there is nothing he can do about it. And who who can stretch in a game of football in less than two seconds and not try and balance themselves for the shot to be deflected. And he needs to be upright. He can't leave his hands down, fall over. Then he's out of the play for the next, for the next phase of the game. No one in, in the history of the world will be able to stretch like that and not move their other limbs. It's just not how it happens. And I'm, you don't go down the rabbit hole of saying Varys against Wolves because Varys is useless full stop. Well, no, Var isn't. The people that run it, like Jafo says, is, are useless. And, they, the rules of the game are being changed and tweaked that much that Stu's probably going to need an extra week next next season in Whitby. Right there, when fallen as well, along with the remote, obviously not to uh, listen, but that's earlier. Oh, it's here. Yeah, it stopped the ball going into the net because that, I think that's. Regardless of how close it was, I think that's probably in the end why it was yeah. given. But he was falling, and the whole thing about if you if you hand is supporting your body falling, then that doesn't count. He off the foot away. So when you threads like that, it's fast. It just it's deliberate handle. It's how yeah. think. I, I, but, I don't think I don't think we should have been worrying about a bad decision against Luton. I think that's what all this also comes down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt the same thing against Man United. Is that in that game where we obviously played well and, and created chances, and, and we instantly felt that we got over by the Onana uh, collision with uh, Kladzic. We need to be focusing on ourselves really and saying how the that we win games like this. In that moment, we created enough in that game to score chances and, and to score goals. And in yesterday, we should be creating a lot more chances against a side like Luton. But the problem is, this is not this season. This is a recurring theme. This is the same thing we've said the last three years. And it's kind of becoming a bit tiresome to keep saying it, that we don't create enough boring, chances. We don't do it against teams who sit back. It is so uh, the perfect word to say, boring. We do not do enough against sides who are going to sit in. And that is why, you know, we've been perennially falling and falling and falling down this league because we're not able to get results against these lower sides. And the bigger sides, the Liverpools, Man Cities and the Arsenals of this world are learning how to play against us. And we've lost our players to them. You know, Diogo Jota going to Liverpool, people like this. We're losing our players to them. So we're losing, strengthening them and we're getting weaker every season. So it is it is sleepwalking to relegation at this point. And that's the problem is, is that we've, something's got to change fundamentally. And 
evolve and, and and now it's becoming it's a stepping towards a revolution within the football club but something has to re- evolve within the way that we play football to create chances and philosophy of the club has to step forward something's got to give yeah it, interestingly just for what you said and i know something that worried me actually was Gary Neil post-match sort of saying you know we're gonna to have to fight for this season we got 41 points last season we lost some huge players today our level my job is to fix it and it felt like a little bit defeatist in a way like I don't know just it feels like the mentality at Wolves at the moment is let's try and finish 16th and yeah, that, well, that's it, where it that, and I know that's what it is, but I sort of think if that's where we've set our expectations, that's the only place we're going to get. Whereas we all know the the difference between finishing sixteenth and ninth is that there's not actually a whole fat lot in it. And I don't know, just it feels just like the mentality is just not there anymore to you know to be resolute to. You know, have that actually like we're not going to fucking concede. Like that is not what we do. Or if how, we do, it's not. Yeah. How unimaginative are those quotes that you just brought up on the screen, Rich? They are oh, yeah. as dull. They are as dull as our performances. That's Mike Bassett. He's basically going to go sign two players called Benson and Hedges if we carry on this way. I, it is. Oh, we we got forty-one points last year. That wasn't you, mate. That wasn't you. Do something different. Mm. His substitutions are awful. I am sick to death of him already. I am sick to death of him already. He's so boring. He's so vanilla. He's so generic. And he he does he comes out. I know I know press conferences after the game, you're not going to be maybe his scintillating best, but they are so dull, those comments. There is so, nothing that he does not inspire me at all that he's going to get us out of this boring, repetitive downward spiral that Jeff just talked about. Well, Ed, we are six games into Gary Neal's tenureship league games-wise. The big question is, and I think we've all kind of got a bit of a flavour in terms of where we're at to at a club at the moment, and there is that, at least for some of that underlying negativity, for some, like Stu, for example, it is less underlying and more jumping on top of the bed. So I guess, Ed, uh, after that, my question is to you, where do you sit on the gone gonometer? I guess green <laughs> is we're happy, you know, we're, we're thriving. Yellow is, you know what, let's give him time. He hasn't had a preseason. We're only six games in. Amber, and I think sort of most people at 12 o'clock at the moment, um, I think Amber's like, oh, we've got questions. And then red is gone's gone. So I'll start with you, Ed. Where are you on the gone gone meter? I think as, as far to the bottom of amber that's almost in red that I can be. The only reason it's probably not in red is I don't know who we bring in. And I know that's a question for later, but I don't know who replaces him. So I, I just I just think this is, he just has no idea with what we're supposed to be doing with his team. And it's difficult. He came in very, with no real um, chance to get to know the players. He doesn't know, but he, I, I don't, I think his in-game management is what really worries me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Stu, uh, very quickly, how, how about you? Where, where are you at with um, Gary? Are you getting rid of him tomorrow? Are we giving him time? And frankly, if you are, how, how much time are we are we giving him? 
been the whole screen. I want him now. Um, I've got no faith in the bloke. I haven't for weeks. You could see as soon as it's what. Remember what I said on Twitter, and people slag me off for it straight away, which is understandable. That that Man United performance was not his team. That was not how he would he would set up a team, and they haven't since. And you say, oh yeah, the first half against Liverpool, but they're in the shop window on, on telly. And like I said earlier, they'll do the same again against Man City. But if you look at the, the rest of the performances against Everton, against Palace, against Luton Town, which they deserve full team name because they're in the Premier League. Um, but every other performance has been shit. And it's been worse than it's been worse than it was under Bruno Lage. And Bruno Lage got more points than this bloke. And he was hounded out of town. And I know there was a, a great, I can't remember who put it on. Just that. This is an advertisement from Better Help Therapy Online. We all carry different stresses, big and small. It could be from work, stuff going on at home, or just from supporting a football team. You flatter to deceive, and as the bedsheets have always said, let us down. We often bottle up these stresses and try and keep a lid on them, but when you do that, it can start to affect you negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It gives you a place to get these things off your chest, get down to root cause, and figure out how to work through what's weighing you down. Therapy is there to help develop positive uh, coping skills. It's not just for people who have experienced major trauma. It's about empowering you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not look and give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, developing to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. With over a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners can get 10% off their first month using the code betterhelp.com slash wanderers. That's betterhelp.com slash wanderers. Let's get back to the show. I wish we knew I was well, folks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry for uh, Stu's internet again, guys. Um, I guess... Jeffo, uh, you know, I was going to say you you tend to be the voice of reason um, on occasion. Um, oh, right, yeah, on the occasion. Uh, on, on the occasion, and I, uh, I know you well enough to know that we're, we're potentially not on one of these occasions. Um, where, where are we sitting? I mean, I'm still in the yellow. Um, I, the thing is, as I say, we we need evolution, and things like this take time. Uh, and you know, we need to understand that we are doing things a little bit different this season. You know, the way we're approaching signings, the way we're looking at the team, we need to all be pulling in the right direction. Um, Gary's got a very difficult job. There's not many people who could come in and do the job that he's, you know, he's done. Uh, I know, granted, it's not the best, but doing the job that he's doing on starting it on the eve of the season after Yulin dropped us in the shit. You know, he needs to have a little bit more time just to try and adapt it. You know, and we talked about it earlier. This is the first time that he's played the same 11 from the previous game. It just needs a little bit more. We're not going to be relegated by the end of October. No sides are relegated by the end of October. So if we lose every game between now and then, yeah, I think probably he should be having a little bit of self-control and saying, yeah, I'll walk if they lose every game between now and then. But we've not seen enough from this team to say that we need to change something because I think that is very much jumping, you know, uh, jumping at the gun. 
and we need to say that Gary needs a little bit more time just to put his ideas across. Him and Sean Derry are working on the training ground every day to try and change some side that he's been coached, was coached by Julian Lopetegui, who's a very different character. Before that, Brown Elijah, a very different character. A lot of these these players have stemmed through these different pla- these systems. <laughs> and uh, I know I know you say that, Lee, uh, about that you trust in Carrie <laughs> more than the Wi-Fi tonight, but we are. Uh... <laughs> That's killed me. I don't even. I don't even know where to go from this point. But yeah, he needs a little bit more trust from everyone. Everyone needs to pull in the right direction. Believe in the process of what we're trying to do and what um, the club are doing now. We've got rid of the old hierarchy that was there. You know, we are going in a different direction. So just believe in the club, and that's all yeah. I can say. We're going down. That's the direction we're going. Yeah. I'm, I'm used to it, man. I'm used to it at this point. You know, we, we we have happiness, and then they just shit on all of our dreams. <laughs> so Pedro Neto is going to get sent off next week. Yeah. It's it's what happened. It's what we all know will happen. I can't have that swell of inevitability sometimes. Um, but we did get a um, really interesting question uh, from Twitter Corner this week which stems in quite nicely to what we were saying. Um, and it's from uh, T. Andrew Caddick. He said, if you're in the gone out camp, who would you replace him with? And I think it's an interesting question. I mean, I think there's still a lot of people probably sort of touting Graham Potter still um, as the most available person. Um, any other names sort of springing to mind for yourselves? Hence? No, and I think that's why I think we probably do need to get into Foe's camp and get behind him because there isn't anyone banging down the door is the, that's available. Um, and Potter is going to need time as well to implement his own system. And how much time do we have? We'd, we'd give Gary O'Neill, <laughs> we'd give Gary O'Neill, um, you know, the, the next, what, six to seven weeks to get and implement his system. God forbid we lose all of them. And then we bring Potter in and he'll need the same amount of time with the same amount of players, with the same players to bring in his own, own system. All of a sudden we're at Christmas with next to no points. So we probably do need to pull up and shut up at the moment and see what see where we are at Christmas. Yeah. Um, uh, Jafo, how, how about you? Are you sort of... Any other sort of names who I guess either sort of either long term or I think the other name sort of I I I heard them sort of shamelessly stealing off social media was Ruvan Nistelroy. Oh no, no. I, I'm just not a, uh, a big fan of um, of his. Really, I don't think it, I think it'd be too much of a risk to bring in somebody who's only done a decent job in the Dutch league. You know, I, PSV. Uh, have gone completely on their head anyway. They've gone Peter Bosch this season, which seems a, a big <laughs> turnaround from what they were trying to achieve with young players like Harry Simmons. But yeah, I'm just looking now on on, on the list of, of people who are out of out of management. You, you've got everyone's a big name. The problem is you've got the likes of Joachim Löw, Hansi Flick, Conte, Zidane's of this world. That there's no real manager that's going to come in and be wanting to prove themselves. Y- you're talking. People like Jesse March, Ralph Hassenhutel, Nathan Jones. These are not names you really want near your football club. And, and, I don't... and no, no disrespect to them, but they're not managers I want to bring in. I think Gary O'Neill was a dangerous enough choice without bringing in 
the real life version of um, the American coach. I've t- I totally forgot the name of the TV show. Ted Lasso. Yeah. Ted Lasso. Thank you. But yeah, it, the real life Ted Lasso. But that's the problem. All of their managers that you list listed are better than Gary O'Neill anyway, regardless of how bad they are. And like I said yesterday, Rob Edwards is a better manager than Gary O'Neill. It's just this is how bad it is that this guy. If we're, when we lose to Ipswich, I know I dropped out last time, or the, or the people are trying to get me like Russell Branded. Um, <laughs> but um, that if you look when we lose on on Tuesday night, he will have the same record. That Steve Davis did. What, the one time your internet doesn't cut out, Stu, was there. <laughs> they know, they know. They know. They know, yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, Slight <laughs> like lost words to be honest, guys. Um, it seems like a good enough place to end the show before uh, we get ourselves in litigation minefield, as usual. Uh, to be honest, I'm a fan cast. Um, but yeah, it's not all honky dory here, is it, guys? But hopefully, a win in the Carabao will see us through. It's not going to be an easy game. I think it's going to be harder, definitely harder than Blackpool. Um, but I don't know. I think he's at least got the opportunity to push through a couple more guys again. I think a try when he came on did really well. Bit of an odd sub into on, on the face of it coming on for our only striker. But I did think um, Booba looked good. Um, so hopefully he gets a decent run out in the uh, in the cup. I guess it also depends how serious Ipswich take it as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, some, which is saying something that that's a concern. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you've just got to really hope it's slowly opposition throwing it in, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see. And as, as Martin has said in the YouTube comments, the deep state are after you, Stu. Oh, they Martin, are. we already knew. Uh, we, he, <laughs> and, and, and Stu does so much to uh, go throughout everyday life just under the radar, to be honest. And <laughs> what he wears, what he does. So um, we'll see. I, I'll say um, we'll, we'll wrap up uh, the show there, guys. Um, thank you so much for joining us this evening. So thank, thank you so much for bearing with us as well. Apologies for the internet connection or a few of our uh halves I say just let's just blame Deep State and we'll we'll move on. We'll blame them for stopping us uh putting able uh putting out this uh very professional production. Um until next time though, um we'll be probably looking to do our next show after the Ipswich game, which will be reaction to that, plus talking about the game for the weekend as well, which little Dan will bring you. Um, but until then, if you're not already, shout out to everyone who's watching on YouTube. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe if you can. It means so much for us growing the channel. I know it doesn't seem like a lot on the face of it, but it really helps kind of drive the audience uh, moving forward and kind of raising awareness of what we're doing and also make sure that you're getting the best content um, out there from us, from the match reactions, to the preview shows, uh, to Gully's excellent tactical analysis as well for a further uh, in-depth breakdown of the games. Make sure you follow it at Wolves Fancast as well on all the usual places across social media. Um, and until next time, it's goodbye from Stu if his internet allows us. I'm still here, I think. Goodbye, everyone. It's goodbye from Jeffo. Good to be back. 
It's goodbye for Mad. See you later, guys. And it's goodbye for me. I'll see you next time, guys. Thank <laughs> you.